today I wanted to talk about spiritual friendship, which is something that's, um, I think, worthwhile to think about at this early time in the year, because this is a time when people often have aspirations or intentions. It's just a time when we tend to think about those things. And one possible intention that we could have for the year is to become a better spiritual friend, to develop our spiritual friendships, to strengthen those qualities in ourselves in order to support our own practice and to support that of other people too. It's a beautiful intention and it's one where everybody wins, basically. Can't go wrong with that. So the Buddha had a lot to say about wise friendship and all of it was good. It's cited as the foundation, often, of successful practice or as a critical factor in spiritual growth. The Pali word is kalyanamita, you may have heard, and it's sometimes translated as admirable friendship, noble friendship, spiritual friendship, wise friendship, or sometimes just good friendship. A good friend is truly a treasure on the path. So I'd like to explore in this talk the qualities of good friendship and of good friends that are presented in the suttas and then relate them after that to some ways in our modern lives that we can connect better with spiritual friendship and to develop ourselves in this way. Spiritual friends not only enhance our prospects for happiness in the here and now, but they also are a great support towards achieving the goal of our practice, toward liberation. So why do we need such friends? You know, why is this so important? Basically, it's because our minds are malleable. And that's a good thing. That's what allows spiritual development to happen. But understanding that, basically, our minds will tend to take on the qualities of the people that we associate with. So, for example, if we associate well, then we'll shape our minds to have more wholesome qualities and to practice the Dhamma better. But if we associate with people who, say, are very attached to sensual pleasure, that's sort of their main purpose in life, the Buddha calls these people fools, then our minds will tend to follow their ways, follow down, and we can do harm to ourselves and others. So the Buddha actually says this clearly. He says, I see no other thing that is so much responsible for the arising of unwholesome qualities in a person as bad friendship, and nothing so helpful for the arising of wholesome qualities as good friendship. It's pretty straightforward. He also says this more colorfully in a different place. He says, A person who wraps rotting fish in a blade of kusa grass makes the grass smelly. So it is if you seek out fools. But a person who wraps powdered incense in the leaf of a tree makes the leaf fragrant. So it is if you seek out the enlightened. So the first thing to notice is that... um, Spiritual friendship is not left up to chance. We are instructed to seek out wise people and associate with them deliberately. So there's some effort involved in friendship. 
And often, this is the first effort, the first real effort that we make on the path, actually. Um, long before we're making strong effort in deep meditative states, we have to get the external conditions in place. And that's on, you know, having good friends as part of that. Actually, all of us are on the way to that, because everybody had to make some effort to come here. So if you think, oh, I don't know how to do that, or I'm not really doing that, you are. You're already doing it. So who is an admirable friend? Who is a Kalyanamita? And what kind of relationship should we have with a person like that? Well, once again, the Buddha gives some clear guidance in the suttas. So let's look at some of the suttas that talk about spiritual friends and spiritual friendship. For example, there's a sutta that talks about four qualities to look for and emulate in a friend. And these four are faith, sadha, virtue, sila, generosity, chaga, and wisdom, panya. Specifically, this sutta says, What is good friendship? Herein, in whatsoever village or market town a house dweller dwells, he associates, converses, engages in discussion with householders and householders' sons, whether young and highly cultured or old and highly cultured, full of faith, full of virtue, full of generosity, and full of wisdom. He acts in accordance with the faith of the faithful, with the virtue of the virtuous, with the generosity of the generous, and with the wisdom of the wise. This is called good friendship. So we all have people in our lives who exemplify certain good qualities, right? Our wise grandmother or the neighbor that we know we can always trust. And the Buddha encourages us to use our discernment to notice these people in our lives and then to consciously go and associate them with them and even to emulate their good qualities in order to develop that in ourselves. One time I had a friend who was um, very kind to animals and her work in the world was um, to protecting animals and she knew a lot about other habitats and their um, kind of the ecology of animals. So whenever I was with her, I actually noticed, first of all, that I would see a lot more animals. <laughs> that was interesting. I just, I would notice them. Um, and I also uh, noticed that um, I felt a, a sort of a stronger connection to them because I was with her. And I, so therefore I had a greater sense of interconnection with life when I was with this friend. And so I, I actually noticed that that was a good quality um, and that it was worth developing, worth emulating. And so I, um, I began to do that kind of consciously. And I think that I, what, I, what I found through being with her in that way was that I had within me some untapped potential to feel interconnection that I, I'm sure I wouldn't have developed or noticed if I hadn't been associating with her in that way. So her good qualities allowed me to notice that same quality in myself. And this is actually the way that the Buddha was intending this, um, I think the Buddha was intending this sutta to be read, is that when you're with people 
you know, the, the quality of a good friend is to help us discover those qualities in ourselves. So there's kind of discernment involved in being with and emulating a good friend. It would be possible, for example, to fall into some kind of comparing mind and realize, oh, this person is so much more generous than I am, and I'm so stingy compared to them, and I need to be better. I'm not good enough, um, and I should associate with them in order to drag myself up from this depth I've fallen into. You know, maybe you don't go that extreme, but there could be that kind of sense, right, that they're better than me, and so I have to kind of work up to where they are. And I think the Buddha intended it more that we discover in ourselves that that potential is already there, but it just sort of comes into resonance because we're with someone who exemplifies it. So that would be more the intention. I think we can sense the good in people. Um, like, for example, why do we like to hang around with certain teachers? You know, why do we feel drawn to their presence? Or why are monastics... Often in our tradition, people feel really good around monastics. Well, I think it's because these folks have good qualities. They have really good intentions. They have developed themselves in certain ways. And our heart resonates with that somehow. We can feel that. In fact, it's said, actually, in the suttas that um, virtue has a scent that is stronger and more beautiful than that of flowers. And it also has the ability to travel upwind and in all directions, unlike the, you know, the measly scent of flowers. So I think this, um, this kind of resonance is very real, and we can trust our heart in terms of who we think we should associate with on the path. And you know, maybe that'll change over time, but we, um, you know, I think this is an, an area where we can uh, trust that we know what we're, what we're doing, and we can hang around with people who make us feel lighter, clearer, more joyful, somehow stronger. So there's another sutta where the Buddha talks about seven qualities of a good friend. A friend endowed with seven qualities is worth associating with. Which seven? He gives what is hard to give. She does what is hard to do. He endures what is hard to endure. She reveals her secrets to you. He keeps your secrets. When misfortune strikes, she doesn't abandon you. When you're down and out, he doesn't look down on you. A friend endowed with these seven qualities is worth associating with. So this starts pointing towards the more concrete actions that are done by good spiritual friends. And in particular, you can notice that a good friend gives in ways that are not just casual. So this person gives what's hard to give, and they do what's hard to do. So maybe maybe your friend picks you up from the airport when you arrive at 3 a.m., not just 3 (laughs) p.m. And maybe... um, Maybe they come over every day for two weeks after you have surgery and they bring food and sometimes they stay and clean your house and help you look through your mail for two weeks. Or maybe when you get completely confused and you accuse your friend of doing something that they didn't do and you get angry at them, 
they don't just get angry back and end the friendship and say, forget it. They understand that what you have goes beyond a temporary mind state that overwhelmed you, and they let it pass, or they find a way around it. They know your friendship goes deeper than that. Basically, they forgive. One time I arrived in Seattle, and I needed a ride from the ferry at the time that I just I hadn't arranged it because of the details of that, that trip. And so I called a friend that I knew there, um, but I knew when I called that it wasn't a convenient time of day for her. But she was there, so I called. And you know, I said, gee, could you, could you come get me? Well, not only did she come pick me up, but um, she brought lunch. And she then took me on a tour of an area that uh, I was interested in seeing, and she knew I hadn't seen. But it was easy for her because she lived there. She knew about it. So I had been kind of apologetic when I called. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for calling you. This probably isn't that convenient. I hope it's OK. And she never really responded to that verbally. But by her actions, she made it clear that spending time with me and helping me was valuable to her. That was worthwhile to her. So I felt really cared for, just the way she had done that. And I thought about how you know, this is something that friends do for each other when, even when it's not necessarily convenient. So there's another sutta that talks about mutual responsibilities of friends. This is part of a much longer sutta, but it appears somewhere in the middle. In five ways should friends and colleagues be respected by generosity, kind words, acting for their welfare, impartiality, and honesty. And friends and colleagues so respected reciprocate with compassion in five ways. By protecting you when you are vulnerable, and likewise your wealth. By being a refuge when you are afraid. By not abandoning you in misfortunes, and by honoring all your descendants. So this gets a little bit more complex, right? It talks about um, friendship as a relationship where there are mutual responsibilities on each side. Basically, each party behaves in a way that produces harmony and safety and peace. And you can notice that it's not, um, it didn't say anything about getting something out of the relationship personally. If there was anything like that, it would be a mutual benefit going on Much more importantly, it points towards friendship as being an opportunity to develop healthy mind states, basically. So good friendship is the the field in which wholesome karma flourishes. Basically, um, this is why the Sangha is said to be an incomparable field of merit for the world. Good friends mutually create the conditions for good to arise. You might say that friendship is more of a verb than a noun. So I think we see this also in in the friendships that we have, is that 
they're just, because they've become comfortable in a certain way, they're opportunities for us to provide easy compliments to each other, to help each other in ways that would be less smooth if we didn't know the person as well. It's kind of a reinforcing loop of allowing things to get better and better in terms of wise speech, wise action, support, generosity. However, lest you think that this is getting a little bit idealistic and you can't think of any friendships in your life that are quite exactly like this, um, there is, in good friendship, the possibility of pointing out faults. And this is also something that the Buddha talked about. Good friendship is, um, includes the possibility for constructive criticism for the purpose of spiritual development. So this makes it maybe adds an extra dimension to friendship. Bhikkhu Bodhi says in an essay called Association with the Wise, the task of the noble friend is not only to provide companionship in the treading of the way. The truly wise and compassionate friend is one who, with understanding and sympathy of heart, is ready to criticize and admonish, to point out one's faults, to exhort and encourage, perceiving that the final end of such friendship is growth in the Dhamma. This is also stated um, in the Dhammapada from Gilles Fronstall's translation. Like someone pointing to treasure is the wise person who sees your faults and points them out. Associate with such a sage. Good will come of it, not bad, if you associate with one such as this. So there's actually um, plenty of examples of admonishment in the suttas, but this is, um, this is one of my favorites. Um, it's found in a dialogue between Sariputta and Anuruddha, who are two of the Buddha's most famous, well-practiced disciples. Then the venerable Anuruddha went to venerable Sariputta and, on arrival, greeted him courteously. See, they're good friends courteous greetings. After an exchange of friendly greetings and courtesies, he sat down to one side. As he was sitting there, he said to Venerable Sariputta, by means of the divine eye, purified and surpassing the human, I see the thousandfold cosmos. My persistence is aroused and unsluggish. My mindfulness is established and unshaken. My body is calm and unaroused. My mind is concentrated into singleness, and yet my mind is not released from the effluence through lack of clinging. That means my mind is not free. I'm not, I'm not fully liberated, despite my amazing concentrative achievement. And Venerable Sariputta says, My friend, when the thought occurs to you, by means of the divine eye, purified and surpassing the human, I see the thousandfold com- cosmos. That is related to your conceit. <laughs> when the thought occurs to you, my persistence is aroused and unsluggish, my mindfulness is established and unshaken, my body is calm and unperturbed, and my mind is concentrated into signal- singleness. That is related to your restlessness. When the thought occurs to you, and yet my mind is not released from the effluence through lack of clinging, that is related to your anxiety. 
It would be well if abandoning these three qualities, not attending to these three qualities, you directed your mind to the deathless property. So basically he says, stop thinking that way. (laughs) And as these things go, Anuruddha took his advice and became an arahant. So... It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of cute, right, that <laughs> even people who are about to be arahants have to come to their friends and ask these questions. Um, but it's worth, it's worth considering. Do you have friends in your life who could say to you, you know, Kim, this problem you're having is really just because of your conceit. <laughs> it would be good if you would stop being so conceited, and then you wouldn't have this problem. So it's a great gain if we have such a compassionate friend. (laughs) Okay, so um, there's also, uh, the Buddha is considered to be um, the wisest potential friend that we can have. And there is um, a very nice sutta that you've probably heard part of, but maybe not all of, that points towards this. So... It goes like this. Venerable Ananda said to the Blessed One, This is half of the holy life, Lord. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie. Don't say that, Ananda. Don't say that. Admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie is actually the whole of the holy life. So this is often used quote. Many people have heard it. But the sutta doesn't actually end there. Usually we just stop there. But it actually goes on to say, and this is the Buddha speaking, it is in dependence on me as an admirable friend that being subject to birth have gained release from birth, that being subject to aging have gained release from aging, that being subject to death have gained release from death, and that being subject to sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress, and despair have gained release from all of these. It is through this line of reasoning that one may know how admirable friendship, admirable companionship, admirable camaraderie is actually the whole of the holy life. So ultimately, we're to look towards the Buddha as the best of admirable friends. So if you have the best friend, you'll get the best result, which is liberation. In the Buddha's time, of course, people could associate with the Buddha directly. Um, In our time, We don't have a living Buddha, at least not in our tradition. So we have to discover for ourselves what it means to befriend the Buddha. Um, Maybe we find the Buddha in the texts, or in some kind of devotional practice, or in a beloved teacher, or maybe in some intuitive dimension of our own hearts. Clearly, friendship is no small thing in Buddhism. I mean, it's cited again and again in the suttas as being critical. It's essential to walking the path from the first associations we have with our buddies and our families, through our association with a spiritual teacher, um, all the way up to the highest friendship with the Buddha. These are essential tools as we work toward the, the great potential that there is on this path. So we can ask, you know, from all this 
background that we've been given, what can be gleaned from this in terms of cultivating wise friendship in our own lives, right here in the modern world as lay people? You know, how can we have the kinds of spiritual friendships that will support us on the path as described in the suttas? So I'll offer a few suggestions. I'm sure you can come up with more on your own. And uh, maybe I'll just start with the kind of the bluntest one first, which is um, choose wisely. So most of us have many people in our lives. We're, we live in a fairly urban area, and most of us are blessed with uh, lots of acquaintances, colleagues, family members, friends that we can associate with. And the directive of the Buddha is pretty clear. It says, choose the ones who have the right qualities and who will support your practice and your engagement in the path. Believe it or not, you're not required to associate with anyone. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, there are some certain people, but probably we have more freedom there than we might think. So sometimes this happens naturally. As people start meditating, they tend to become less interested in the activities that stir up the mind in certain ways. So you may notice that you know, you're, you're not as interested in going to certain places or doing certain things all the time, hanging out with having certain kinds of jokes with people, things like that. That's totally fine. Often some of our weaker friendships will you know, naturally fade a little bit as we become engaged in practice. There are other times when we might even decide that we need to make a more deliberate break in some way. But I'll emphasize that that should be done, if you make that decision, it should be done slowly, you know, within the course of organic development. But what I hope to do is just plant the seed, that it's fine to choose your friends wisely, as seems natural to you. By the way, it's uh, not that everybody we associate with has to be a meditator. (laughs) Um, For goodness sakes, have some balance in your life. Um, But everyone that we choose can have these good qualities of heart that are mentioned. Um, People who are virtuous and generous and wise. That can be anybody. A second suggestion is to attend a sangha. So I think we're all doing okay in that regard. Um, but it really helps, you know, to come and hear the Dharma and share the practice with other people who have similar interests. Um, at least this one interest is similar. It's a f- place you can meet people whose values may be more aligned with your own. Another way is to... Um, have spiritual conversations with people or to join even a a noble friends group, for example. I believe some of those have started up through IMSB, some kind of a Kalyanamita group of people that meet together, say, once a month or something and talk about practice. It can be really empowering to do this not only here in the formal setting with other people, but in an informal setting where you've chosen um, that group of people to be with, you know, four or five friends, you meet in a coffee shop or you meet in someone's living room. And you can, you can sort of make it into practice exercises if you want. 
Like, there aren't so, you know, how often can you do this with just average people, right? So it's, it's really fun. One suggestion, for example, is to have a conversation where you don't uh, mention or talk about any people who are not present. Um, it's not that that's wrong or unwise speech. This is an exercise, and it emphasizes for us the qualities of right speech that point towards only um, speaking about what is present, happening in the present. And you'll be amazed at how um, the conversation has to change if you can't talk about anyone who's not there, and also about how it has to increase your intimacy with what's happening for you and what's happening for other people because that's what you can talk about. <laughs> and this, so it increases, it sort of supports our mindfulness practice also. And just generally sharing your practice with spiritual friends, talking about what you're working on or what challenges you're having can really develop and deepen uh, your own understanding of the Dharma because you'll hear feedback from other people and maybe you'll decide, oh, that's that makes sense, I hadn't thought of that, or you'll decide, no, they they didn't quite understand what I said, what I really meant was, and I I understand that inside, which is ultimately the goal. We walk this path in order to begin to understand it for ourselves, and our friends can be mirrors and supports in helping us deepen our own understanding. Another suggestion is to volunteer together with friends, um, sometimes it's fun to get together and go out and do a volunteer activity and then, and then talk about you know, what it was like for you to be generous in that way and to, to share and to give. So this is helping to support that field of merit where we have wise conversations with people. And then it's also worth considering ways that we can be a good friend to ourselves. Sometimes that gets... Um, forgotten, because spiritual friendship is not only external. Uh, I think the Buddha would have very much approved of us taking all these good qualities that were mentioned in the suttas and finding ways that we reflect them to ourselves, ways that we're generous to ourselves, ways that we respect ourselves, ways where our practice could be more strongly supported. And so we work to create conditions to create, say, seclusion in our lives so that we have time to sit every day. That's a great gift to yourself. So you might take a moment to reflect at some point, where could we ourselves use a little bit more care and our practice could use a little bit more support, and how can we provide that to ourselves? And then finally, I think it's worth talking a little bit about the process that goes on in spiritual friendship, because like so many things on this path, spiritual friendship is, is a process that develops and changes over time. So this is something that I've noticed, is that initially we are in a position of needing the spiritual friendship, and so we come... I mean, we always need it, but we're in a position where we come to a group and we need the fact that the other people there are diligent sitters. They're there every week. We need the fact that they're calm and they're um, immersed in practice and ready to talk about it in ways that maybe we don't feel confident talking about yet. But we can come and we can kind of sit in the shade 
of what's happening there and feel the coolness and start to gain our own confidence and understanding. And then there comes a point where we start engaging in that ourselves and we can begin to talk about our practice and explore a little bit. What does this mean? What does that mean? What is, what is generosity? I'm going to take that on as a practice and learn a little bit about that in my life. And so then we're, we're in a position of sharing with people. And as this goes on, it's a long process, but you know, over time, we become the tree that offers the shade to the new person who's arriving. And we can realize at some point, it's almost, you know, you don't even notice that it's happening. Like walking through a mist after a while you're wet as if it had been raining, but you didn't notice while you were walking, just walking through the mist. But at some point we notice that um, we're the calm one and somebody else is a little bit agitated and we can stand there and just be compassionate and realize that we're helping them. And this is actually how we give back to, you know, this is the expression of our gratitude for all the generosity that we received early on. We pass it on by helping those who are coming later. Sometimes it's said, um, we walk the path in order to maintain it for those who are coming after. I think that's a beautiful reason to walk the path. So I hope that during the course of this year and far beyond, we all benefit from strong and deep spiritual friendships. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.